Hello and welcome to Back of the Net and Beyond, where today I'm going to be speaking to Paul Rahubka, who's a former professional footballer who played for Man United, Leeds and England at youth level. How are you doing, Paul? Good, thanks. You all right? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, how's life at the moment? How's life? Is it okay? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's, yeah. You know, it is what it is at the moment. It's, uh, it's a bit strange for everyone. So... Uh, I'm um, yeah, trying to make the most of it. I think uh, that's what all you can do, really, isn't it? You, you can you can sit and sulk and and you know go into your shell and stay stuck in your own, or you can try and yeah you know, take an advantage and and, and use it to uh, do the things that you you know everyone's put on the to do list and always <laughs> leaves the last minute. I think so. Yeah, I've knocked a couple good. of them off. Yeah, uh, over the last couple of months, but uh, what was no, on your list? Gardening. Um, designs. <laughs> well, a little bit like that. I did a bit of decorating, done a project, but I made sourdough bread, which was okay. like, um, it's it's one of those things that, being from America and going back there, I'd always buy sourdough bread. I thought, right, okay. let's try and make it. And I, I spent seven days making whatever the starter is for it. So you make it from scratch, <laughs> and then I made one loaf of bread. It was really nice, but yeah. then just that was it that was it gone so yeah. uh wow. but uh i think uh, <laughs> i think a lot of people did stuff like that during the first when you first start you got yeah. those enthusiasm for the lockdown and the weather's yeah. nice and you get out now it's more back to normal it rains normal. And yeah everyone's uh fed up with being stuck in the house that's it well um firstly thanks for coming on the show appreciate your time um as i mentioned before and kind of uh, anyone that's new that's listening to the podcast it's basically a chance for me to speak to athletes uh, current athletes former athletes figures within the game um, figures within sport organizations um, mainly about transitioning from sport for athletes uh, transferable skills uh, just because in terms of uh, awareness I don't think there's enough out there both from an athlete point of view and also industry leaders and organisations as well. So hopefully by me doing the podcast, we'll give people more insight in terms of obviously career in sport, um, but also mainly the transferable skills that athletes do have and how they've made the transition as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, in terms of you then, obviously you used to be a goalkeeper. Um, for, those that, for those of the listeners that don't know, Paul used to be a, a goalkeeper. Specialist sport, um, sorry, specialist position. Um, people normally say you need to be crazy to be a goalkeeper. Um, probably find out at the end of the podcast whether that's true or not. Um, but in terms of yourself, um, as a youngster, were you always involved in sport? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I, I don't know if I was a late, a late person to football. I played every sport uh, growing up. So I'd played uh, played baseball out in the States before I moved over, okay. Little League, uh, and then kind of lacrosse, cricket, uh, tennis, basketball, football, and didn't really start playing for a team until I was 10. Okay. Uh, and I think one of, the, uh, one of the things that I look back on, I think I went, we played, I played my first game and I tried to play left wing coming inside on my right foot. Yeah. Uh, like you do. And we ended up drawing five all. And I was like, keep, I could do better in goal. And went in the <laughs> next game. Uh, and I think, we, I think we won one nil or drew one all or something like that. And literally off the back of that game, I got scouted for Stockport County. Okay. And Stockport County were a football league team at the time. Yeah. So they'll come down and you know train with us and see you know we'll have a look at you, and then uh, then in the meantime City came along and said look come and have trials with us. They were mm. the bigger team at the time, and it was all so quick. And within probably six or seven weeks, I'd been rejected by City. Yeah. Gone to Oldham and trained at Boundary Park on the AstroTurf pitch. Was dead excited because you got given a ball when you signed for him. <laughs> you had to bring the trainer, proper might of football. You know, like when he, they were like, as a as a ten year old, like, that's like a real football. You know, not one of these flyaway yeah. ones. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, 
So I was getting dead excited about that. And then, uh, so my mum couldn't get me to Oldham, but my one of my teammates was going to United and mm. it was Brian Kidd at the time said, we come down and train and come down with this other lad and the other dad can bring you down and you can come and train with us. And uh, literally got a goalkeeper coach straight away. And okay. uh, so I never had time to kind of develop any bad habits. Yeah, I just got coached. I got coached from the start, and uh, I think at that time in our generation, there wasn't goalkeeper coaches. There wasn't, you know. I think United to have one at academy, it just happened to be an ex, an ex goalkeeper who was mm. part of the community, coming in coach, and was around the cliff and would take the goalkeepers, and it was kind of like a unique situation. I mean, it stopped all counting. They just put the goalkeepers in the corner so they kick the ball against the one catcher. <laughs> yeah, that was that was what you're doing. We need you for a game to come over. Yeah. But uh, say it's come a long way since then with the academies. But uh, that's that's how I got started straight into it. And I was, you know, you, you could play for anyone. I mean, yeah. There was no restrictions. And then come 14 and it was like, right, you need to pick a sport because I was doing something every single night. And uh, it, it's funny, you, you have conversations like since you go back mm. and I speak to a lot of players who have had a long career in the game and ask them certain questions or you get you're around them that often and you notice that the ones who who hang around are, are good at everything like yeah. they'll be good at you know pool table tennis you know all the other golf they'll they'll just pick the pick it up and have a go at it and you know get really competitive with it and it, it's just you know I think uh, I think Sir Alex looked for stuff like that. He wanted to know if you were a good all-rounder rather than just being solely focused on on football because I think he saw that as a as a good indicator of how adaptable you were. So it's one of my researches into the life of, of being a footballer uh, from some of the studies I've done later on in my career. But uh, that's how it all got started. So uh, yeah, straight straight into the deep end. Right. And so you were born in America, if, that, if, I'm, if my memory serves me right. Um, what age did you come over to England then? So I came over when I was seven. So I was kind of like grew up over in England, hence the English accent and not the American accent. And, yeah. You know, playing for England uh, youth team and, and very much my life is in England. And, mm. you, know, you know, go back to America every now and again. But uh, yeah very very English and part of you know growing up there. Good stuff so obviously so you moved at the age of seven which is very very young um, so your family um, uprooted you and you came over to England how, how was that process for you obviously leaving friends and probably leaving certain parts of your family as well and coming to a completely new country different culture? It, it, it's just what it is I think as kids you're adaptable aren't you that's that's the way yeah. it is you don't really get a choice in it. Uh, mm. Came over to Stockport and got settled in, went to school, got, you know, you get new friends from school and say some were, you know, my closest friends were into lacrosse, others, you know, and then as I start getting into football and you go out at break and play time and you're, you know, dead happy to get the football if someone's not kicked it mm. over or kicked it out of the, you know, <laughs> field and, uh, or it's been popped. But uh, yeah, it, you kind of got into it and say it's it's the biggest sport and it was you know Manchester's very you know got a lot of teams around it and like you say the teams I named Stockport, uh, Oldham, you know United City there's I think I've played for most of them around here now anyway. Mm. <laughs> so in terms of your career let's talk about kind of when things started get started to get say let's serious for yourself in terms of right I can make something of myself I can have a career a sustainable career in football uh, and that started at Man United so what was it like for you to, to obviously represent Man United um, as a youngster? So yeah we need a one-year pro at 18 and uh, I, I couldn't get a game it, it was crazy. There was, we had so many keepers at the club mm. and I had a great education, come through, the, you know, from 14s, 15s, 16s. 
And we had a goalie coach on a Monday morning. Mm. Uh, we'd come in, and from 15 years old, so I'd go in on a Monday morning from school. Rather than go to school, I'd come in and train. Okay. On a Monday morning. And this is before phones and social media and everything going on. Mm. And we'd done a deal with a school that I had to go in and I could come back and do my lessons in the afternoon and catch up on the lessons I missed. So I'd go in, and then come Christmas time, all the youth team lads have been giving it off. Uh, okay. And I ended up going in just before Christmas and they wanted to do 11 v 11. So I trained and warmed up with the goalies and then ended up playing right wing for the, <laughs> uh, for the second 11. Well, this, okay. is like, this is the team, the squad that went on to win the treble. Oh, wow. So it was like, I, I remember I was, I was playing in this team and uh, Ended up playing right wing, not left wing, but right wing. So I'd gone all full circle. And yeah. uh, I went for crossing, and that was the only thing I did in the whole game. But we scored from it. I was dead happy. Come back in, absolutely shattered, massive come down. And my mate's like, what have you just done this afternoon? Or where have you been this morning? Yeah. I was like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you what mm. I'd done, what I've been doing. And they didn't. And no one like kind of knew what was going on because you couldn't prove it. Yeah. Or what was that? And your mates are like, yeah, good one. You know, you just keep having <laughs> days off and going into the train. And I was going with the youth team to sit on the bench for them. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like being around that team. They always wanted to do shooting. They always needed a keeper. So from the age of 15, they the first, you know, when you would go in, the, the first team thought I was a first year when I was 15. Okay. So when I actually, actually started my apprenticeship, they thought I was a second year. And being a big lad, I didn't really with them because you know, no one, you know, you know, it's like being a first year, you get treated very well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you get all the best jobs being a first year, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't get a game though. So, every I was training with the first team, doing shooting practice, and the first team are doing brilliant, but couldn't get a game in the B team, and thought, well, okay, I think I played six games for the B team in the first year, went in. See the man, youth team manager goes, look, what's going on? We're going to play. And he goes, you know, mate, you know, we don't know. We'll try and get you some more game time. Mm. Second year, didn't play any more games. Mm. And it was just like, well, they give me a one-year pro. But I was playing more games for the England youth So I was playing under-16s for England, under-17s, under-18s, and getting more games for them than I was at United. And uh, I got offered a one-year pro and wasn't happy uh, because it's like, well, it's not a brilliant deal, but uh, I'll, you know, I want to know what's going to happen because if I'm, if I'm not going to you know, be getting, making a career out of it, I'll, I'll carry on with my studies because I was, did quite well at school and yeah. done my, rather than doing leisure and tourism, I'd done like a GMVQ business and a Mass A level, which gave me enough points to get into uni okay. or enough you know, credits to get into uni. And I was looking at scholarships in the States. So I knocked on Ferguson's door and said, look, boss, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I think I deserve something better. I, you yeah. know, I'm playing in the England team. And he's like, well, you're not in my reserves, but if you get in my reserves regularly, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you a proper deal and look after you. Mm. So, right, I'll, I'll delay it for a year. I was literally going to go to the States and just say, no, I'll delay it for a year, see what happens. And mm. You know, worst case, I'll just be a year behind everyone yeah. at, at uni. So, come New Year's Eve before the millennium, mm. get a phone call going at like eight o'clock in the morning. The goalie coach laughing, Tony Cohen laughing down the phone, going, You need to get yourself in uh, training. We need a keeper. All the lads have been giving it off. Didn't yeah. say anything else. Says because he'd do this every Sunday morning. He'd phone me up Sunday morning and say, "Come in and train. We need a keeper." Mm. And just start laughing on the phone and knowing that I'd literally have to jump out of bed and get there within fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'd have a five aside, and then an hour later you're done. So it's like, okay, I'll do that. See what yeah, see what happens. And uh, anyway, got there. The lads are all out running around the pitch, warming up. So it's a walk of shame across the pitch to the, yeah. to the uh, goalie coach. And it's like, no. And he stood on the farthest corner of the pitch next to Sir Alex. So he made me walk all the way across the pitch. Oh, 
and he goes, you're late, son, like he does. Mm. I was like, sorry, boss. <laughs> I'm waiting for Tony Cohen to say something like, he just called me 15 minutes ago and I live, live like 20 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm thinking, he's going to back me up here. And then he's gonna say, and he goes, nah. And he goes, right, your punishment is you've got to bring me tea and toast every morning. And I was like, okay, boss, but like, <laughs> you know, it's going to be pretty hard because I'm, I'm not here. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, you're traveling. You, you come into Brazil with us. We're oh, flying wow. on the second. So behave yourself tonight and we're flying on the second. I'm like, wow. You know, that, that's, you know, come play, come play in the A team, B team. Yeah, yeah. You know, and next, traveling with the first team to Brazil. Like, where's all the keepers gone? So a couple of lads have gone on loan above me. And mm. I'm there on the plane going out, third choice keeper to uh, Brazil on the, uh, the time when we didn't play in the FA Cup. And it was just, uh, yeah, just kind of crazy times from the moment we landed in Brazil to being, you know, on the American R playing, uh, sorry, being on the Cabana Beach and kind of training at the training grounds, it being dead hot. And then American R Stadium, we're, we're playing in the last game and 10 minutes to go, get a shout, you're coming on, go get ready. Wow. And the place is absolutely bouncing. There's yeah. like 80, 80 or thousand Vasco fans in there because they're the game on afterwards, after yeah. we're playing South Melbourne. And I come on, touch the ball once, I think throw it out to Beckham and mm. we won 2-0 and I made my debut for uh, Man United and you're thinking just crazy times and what you, you know, what you dream about and then now, you know, people dream about playing in the FA Cup final and then all of a sudden you, you're making your debut in the World Club Championships with the team that just won the treble and it's just kind of like, you know, downhill from there, I guess. Nah, that's, that's crazy. Uh, and that's a, a mad story. The simple fact that it shows how things can change, not only in life, but especially in sport, uh, football more so. Um, one minute you're kind of not even in the B team you mentioned, um, and then you've got a call saying to come in and the next minute you're training with the first team and then secondly you're making your debut all in the space of what a few days um, so you've gone from probably rock bottom thinking what what's going on here maybe thinking you may need to leave to then making your debut in the first team so you must have been really excited during that period um, how did it make you feel making your debut what was going through your head uh... It was really surreal because we say we're not, there's, there's nothing you could ever imagine. I didn't know, I didn't expect to come on. It was just like, you know, mm. it just happened that quickly. And I think they wanted it to be like that. And then literally we flew home, flew home private jet straight after all the boys got, in, got on the plane, flew back together, back mm. to Manchester from Rio after it. And then the following day I played for the B team in like at the cliff in it, you know, behind closed doors game. Mm. And you're like, you know, from one extreme to the other and yeah, you know, seeing how you cope with stuff like that. And yeah. I suppose that's you know, the way the boss was. You, you know, he made sure you stay grounded and didn't get mm. too carried away and, you know, work, keep working hard. And you know, the, the main thing I took from, from all that was, look, go and work hard. You'll, if you, you know, if you get your chance, make sure you're ready. And, you know, I made sure I was ready when, when the times came and you never know when that's going to happen. And, Say so I had a few other appearances and it it was fantastic. I think I've got the uh, one of the best records. It was something like 103 minutes and never conceded a goal. So it's that's it's amazing. Say so at the time you like you know you disappoint that you've not played more games and you've had yeah. to leave and things like that. And I look back at it now and and you put your highlights together. Like when you put your CV together, you know that's the first thing that goes down. It's like oh you, you played for Man United and it, it it's it's not something I'd really tell people. It just, yeah. it tends to come up every now and again. And yeah. it's weird when it comes up, you never expect it. And, you know, you don't see, I don't see myself as, as one of them to a certain extent, but I've enjoyed the, you know, enjoyed the camaraderie of, of being part of that group. And it's great to catch up with them every now and again and yeah. say, you see them and, and do all that. But uh, yeah, it, it was a great, great time to be at the club and be part of all that. And uh, like you say, I had to move on to play. And uh, it, 
it was one of those things as a goalkeeper, you're either you're playing or you're not. And there's there's no in between uh, with it. And I wanted to go out and prove myself. That's it. I mean, for those that don't know, um, goalkeeper, as I mentioned before, is a specialist position. So you can be a really, really good keeper like yourself and find yourself number two for most of your career, if not all of it, or even number three. And there's so many good keepers that I've come across or that people are aware of uh, who are playing at the higher echelons of football who have just been number twos and number threes. And it doesn't mean to say they're not good goalkeepers. It's just that there's only one position that you can play and that's it. Um, as an outfield player, you can kind of maybe play one or two, well, two or three different positions. Um, and that's how you get your chance. So obviously it's, it must have been frustrating for you because growing up, me personally, um, I was already already aware of you. I was always aware because we're the same age group. Uh, so I was always aware of kind of yourself. Um, but at the same time, you probably could have played a lot more games um, through whatever reason, obviously we touched on the specialist position. I mean, you played for many, many clubs and a lot of people outside of football may not know who you are. Um, but that doesn't mean to say you weren't a good goalkeeper. For me, I always remember, like, like I said, you played for England and you were at United and things. So I was always fully aware of who you were and obviously your ability. But how did it make you feel kind of maybe being number two sometimes or maybe going on loan and not playing as many games as you would you'd have liked and things like that? Because from a mental perspective, you're probably thinking, well, I should be playing and you're getting frustrated. I was personally, even if I was maybe not in the best of form and I was on the bench, I'd still think I want to be playing. So how did it make you feel? I think I'd, uh, I'm a very calm person. Like, I'm not saying I'm a calm person, but it's not probably true. I'm very steady. I don't get too high, don't get too low. Yeah. Uh, and when you're not playing, it's a job. When you are playing it, it's great fun and you can enjoy it. Yeah. There's lots of ways to, you know, to to think about it and how you deal with it. And mm. you know, for me, I think I must have been involved well over a thousand games and you know played half of them. And it's mm. it, it's uh, yeah. You, I didn't expect to go 20 years. That you know that was my last uh, my last. You know I didn't expect that to happen at all. Mm. Uh, be doing 20 pre-seasons definitely not after my first <laughs> but, uh, no no I was never good at running that's why I played in goal in the first place I think but uh, it, uh, it's come a long way pre-seasons and stuff like that and they look after you a bit more now which I guess helps uh, yeah, my longevity but uh, no I got it I got told early doors different things that stuck in my head was like the average career is six years mm. you know and so I'm thinking well okay if I'm get six years then I'm going to do something else and I even if I play uh till I'm 35 mm. that means I've still got 35 years of something else afterwards yeah and that was my thought process it, it you know it's like football's great but it's it's going to stop it's guaranteed to stop and mm. you, know, you look at Teddy Teddy Sheringham, and Ryan Giggs getting to the 40s you're thinking you know Buffon going you know he's going to be 42 43 playing and stuff that's you know the extremes but even then they've still got another 20 years of, of yeah. to do something and you're out and like it's funny we we meet a, like I meet a lot of players in all over the world now mm. uh, and you'll just be sat going to events or doing stuff or coming across them and they don't need to work you know mm. they're financially they're sorted but they want, you know, like money-wise, but they want something interesting to do. Mm. And you don't just switch off after getting to where you've got football-wise and being competitive. You can't just turn that that button off and go, right, you know, I'm not going to want to be the best at uh, something else now. It, it doesn't just happen. Do you know what I mean? When you go back to the start of the, the podcast and go, look, I loved every sport. And I wanted to master every sport. It's just mm. I got told to pick one at 14. It happened to be football. And that was, you know, what I chose and what I was doing well at, at the time. Who's, who's to know that it could have been something else at, at mm. that time when, you know, the decision had to be made. And you, you, that's, you know, that's like, right, I knew that I'll be wanting to do something. And you, you put in, you had those, those traits that you develop playing, you know, the, the education that I got United off 
Sir Alex, in terms of you know discipline, being on time, how you present yourself, you know, don't make the same mistake twice. You know, you can make mistakes, just don't make the same mistake twice, and mm-hmm. learn quickly and and you know be respectful to to how you think and how you treat people and you know compete every single day. And that was that was a fantastic education because every club, you know, I think the the biggest difference at the time was every day was a match day at United. You, you did it at match pace. And when you went, to, you know, you, it might be short, it might be half an hour, it might be 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour, but it could be done at match tempo and you come off the pitch tired, but everyone's yeah. doing everything at 100 mile an hour. So when you come to play Saturday, it's probably easier because the second 11 at United was probably better than half the teams in the Premier League at the time. And yeah. hence why they could sustain what they were, were, with what they were doing. Mm. Whereas you go to another club and the starting eleven are brilliant, but they literally, you know, work that hard on a Saturday. They can't produce that throughout the week to, yeah. you know, to do that. And that was a different mentality. And you're thinking, okay, you know, I've got to adapt to that kind of that kind of players. And it it there's lots of things that I worked out when I was playing that I knew that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to play lower leagues. Mm. You know, I didn't want to be a goalie coach because I just don't think they were going to be suitable avenues for the way I wanted to do things because yeah. you've got to deal with people in, in, in different environments. And I don't think I could have you know, stayed level-headed like I did in my football career because you know if you do, you know, it, I wouldn't say football's fair, but you know if you're around and you're doing well, you're going to get a chance and you, sh- you should be able to keep that chance. I'm not sure that necessarily applies, you know, but as, as well as, stuff in say goalkeeper coaching at professional clubs or yeah you know but uh playing lower leagues because there's, there's lots of different agendas going on and you know if the manager gets sacked the goalie coach usually gets sacked now so it, it's it, it seems to be a team team process which i think kind of worked out early doors that was that was going to be hard to yeah to deal with more than just being a goalkeeper as well mm. um you were, I'm assuming you were still at United when Luke Chadwick was there. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Chadwick was my idea, yeah. So. Yeah, because I had him on the podcast before and obviously I wanted to get an insight into what it was like to train with um, the players at Man United. And obviously when you were there, Ryan Giggs, Beckham, Scholes, the Neville brothers, Roy Keane, Wes Brown, to name a few. So, I mean, to turn up every day, in the dressing room with those players, listening to how they talk, listen, watching how they carry themselves, obviously training with them on the pitch. And you mentioned the high tempo, match tempo every day, day in, day out, without failure. What was it like, kind of, for you as a youngster in that environment? Uh, for me, I really enjoyed it because, say, shooting practice every day was with Andy Cole, Dwight York, Holly Solskjaer, Teddy Sheringham, and uh, <laughs> before you start yeah, bringing in the likes of the other the other strikers that were around, I think uh, yeah. I remember Rude Van Nistelrooy turned up to his first training session. He had a volley from ten yards, and they took my head off. He kicked it out fast. Really, but uh, it 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 was you know great times, and like you say, you had to come in, and everyone you know was treated the same regardless, and they had some uh, just really good habits of what they wanted to do and say that uh, they just knew that they can keep going and be faster, be quicker and do things like brilliant basics. They did all the basics right. Everyone did all the basics right and at a good tempo and over 90 minutes, that's going to, that's going to, you know, give you rewards because you know that, that everyone's on their game every single game and, so everyone wanted to come and beat you and you kind of have to have that mentality and it was it was great to be part of and, and see you know it but it but people don't realise it was every single day. Mm. There was no days off. You know, it's not like Sunday Wednesdays off that you get the whole mm. you know, it, it you'd work three months straight and that was that was the way it was. There was no international breaks at the time and stuff like that and players are going all the way through and you've seen them every single day. So it, it's not like you know, you, you know, it, like you know, it is now. Well, I suppose like the, the first teams in the Premier League do go through every single day, and the, the days are getting a bit longer. But it was, uh, 
it was really intense but that's all on you that that was the way it was and that was the way life was and yeah it was uh you know it was great growing up in that environment it you, you, so like you say you know about each other when you're young and I think Charlie came through with us. We had, you know, a number of other players, Wes Brown, who I went out to India with yeah. uh, a couple of years back and finished up and say, you, you just catch up. I spoke to, like, Charlie, I not spoke to him for a number of years and you just catch up and get back into that groove because yeah. you, you spent so much time together. So it was, uh, it's just, it's so intense and you, you're in that environment and it was, uh, you know, it's great to be part of must have been a massive um, learning experience for you. Um, in terms of touching on your career still, I mentioned at the top of the show that you uh, represented England at youth level. So how did it feel for you, like pulling on the England shirt? Uh, it was a great honour. It was, it was a fantastic experience. And like you say, for the time, I, I couldn't get a game at United, but I could play in England team. But it was a tough competition. We had a... Uh, a strong age group, you know, I mean, Stuart Taylor was, uh, I was in 81, but I think Stuart was 80, and they changed it that, I think, the year or two before yeah. to go off years rather than September. So uh, we ended up having Matt Murray, uh, Chris Kirkland, and Stephen Bywater as uh, oh, wow. our four, four keepers. So you, you look at the standard yeah. that uh, it was about for that, and it, it's, you know, going, I think, going back and doing my coaching badges, it, England coaches at the time now are all coach educators back at uh, at St George's and they, you still get talked about by them and they love bringing up how we're all we're all different but we've all gone on to have you know you know long careers I mean Matt unfortunately with his knees had to you know retire before he wanted to and yeah say so, you know Stephen's Steve Bywater's just retired I think last year or just, I don't I'm not. I don't want to retire. Him. That'd be a bit harsh. But, uh, <laughs> he's not. He's not carried on. But uh, uh, no, it 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 was you know it was brilliant just going away, working with them, working with all the other players. We had you know what you saw. We had lots of lots of players come through that team and mm. go on to have brilliant careers and say it's uh, it's great seeing them all now and say a few managers and and doing other things and. Mm. It, it, it's funny just you know catching up with them every now and again as everyone goes a different different ways and yeah obviously you think oh they'll be a good manager and they have become a good manager and, and stuff yeah. like that as you do and discuss who's going to do what and you know what what people are going to and uh yeah it's uh it's nice you know seeing that seeing the lads again so and like say it was uh i think we ended up out in nigeria 99 okay. for the, the World Youth Cup, which uh, was an unbelievable experience. Mm. So I think at one point I was going to a different country, either with United uh, or with England, every month. It was like, really? Know, my mum was taking me to the airport. Right, where are you going this? Where are you going this <laughs> month? Where are you going next? Wow. So I left the airport. Why? Where are you going? And it was just great. It was great fun. So, uh, so I really enjoyed traveling and it was uh, it was all part of the thing to see all these stadiums and different yeah. countries and and just play against different people and see the different cultures for me that's you know that's something that I really enjoyed good stuff um, and obviously so we're going to touch on kind of retirement and the process for yourself um, so you've gone through your career and you've played for United and Played for Leeds and you've gone on loan to various teams, Royal Antwerp. Um, you've sustained a massive career. I think you mentioned 20 years, which that's that's so long. People don't realise how hard it is to become a professional footballer and then not only become one, but to sustain it for a period of time. Um, so well done for doing that. Um, but in terms of retirement then, what, what was the process for you? Was there a point where you, you kind of not woke up one day, but was there like a trigger point that made you think like, it's time for me to leave now or did you just make that transition like was it smooth for you did you were you doing something whilst you were playing and then you transitioned out the game or what was the process uh my transition was i think uh took a long time in the making mm. but it, and i'm very happy with what i've transitioned into 
mm. uh, and how it's gone. If you turned around to me and said, this is what's going to happen, then I would have snatched your hand off. But it didn't always feel like that, which mm. uh, I think, you know, you talk about the clubs that I went to. I, I was at Leeds where, you know, I had a disastrous time and ended up going to Accrington on loan. We were mm. bottom of the football league. And, you know, so from going from, playing in the World Club Championships at the bottom of the Football League and everywhere in between, it, it's been, you know, a vast experience. And mm. say so I planned, uh, well, kind of like planned, I always had a plan B and thought, right, at Blackpool, I started doing an Open Uni degree, okay. uh, which I really enjoyed. It was a part-time degree. It took me six years to do. Uh, just thought, well, it was it was environmental science, which is how to get the most out of your environment, okay. which helped me as a footballer. It helped me as a goalkeeper, understood why you know, clubs are set up, how they're set up, and practices you can put in place to, to get the most. You know, And I wrote a lot about elite athletes and how they train and, and stuff like that, and really enjoyed it because I was, you know, it was helping me be a better footballer, and mm. I knew that it would help me afterwards. I wasn't doing it for afterwards, but I was help. It was kind of like, I knew it would give me a little bonus. Yeah. If I don't finish it, I'll, I'll know I'll only have like a year or two. I'll be getting a head start on getting a degree and maybe doing something, something mm-hmm. else because I'll be starting again from, you know, from zero because I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to be a goalkeeper coach and it, you know, I'll be, I'll be needing to prove that I can read and write to a high level. That's, that's what yeah. I thought, well, that's what it'll do. Yeah. So I did that, got that, really enjoyed it. And then uh, ended up 33. I ended up signing for Oldham as a number two. Mm. And I ended up working with Bobby Mims, who was Matt Murray's goalkeeper's coach at Wolves. And okay. Bobby had gone to Oldham and it was like, Matt was like, always talked about how good Bobby was as a goalkeeper coach and we've mm. met over the years so I never like you know so we knew each other and I was like Bobby I haven't got a club can I come down and train with you just because I want to train with you because Matt said how good you are like yeah, yeah. and I uh, ended up training with him just keeping fit and waiting for a club to come in for me thinking I've been it been in the championship last year it won't be a problem I'll get a club mm. and uh if not, you know, Oldham might want me or, or someone and Oldham turned around and said, look, we're happy with our number one. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to take them, you know, we're going to sign this young lad as number two, but if, if you want it, you can have it. It's not a great deal, but mm. it, it, it's not, uh, you know, I don't want to be like cheeky and, and say, look, this is, you know, yeah. that's, it's there if you want it. It's your choice to turn down and I'm happy to turn it down. And it was... It was at the point where I was speaking to all my network and I've been networking for a number of years. I'm, I'm one of these people that I didn't tell people what I did, mm. but I'd always ask them, you know, I'd always talk to them and deflect it back onto them or why yeah. are you here? Why are you doing that? And because I think like, you know, I've met some amazing people and there's loads of massive United fans and mm. uh, just got told to go and meet people and uh, ends up meeting a, uh, a couple of consultancy firms, a big four consultancy firms, and just chatting to them about what you know what would what would be needed to do stuff. And I had a really good conversation with one of the companies, and they're like, "Look, you can come on our graduate scheme if you want, but it's going to be seven till seven for three years, uh, Monday to Friday, seven in the morning till seven at night for three years. But you'll get your professional qualification from it." Mm. And it was on the table at thirty-three, and I was like, "Do." Do I want to make that change yet? I can earn more money doing that than I can do playing as a number two at Oldham because it wasn't a great deal. Yeah. Well, I said, uh, I tongue out cheek, I said, well, if we get someone in the FA Cup at Oldham, because Oldham don't have any money, if we get a yeah. Premier League team in the FA Cup, we'll, uh, will you double the wage and back pay me and give me you know, a decent deal to the end of the season? And he goes, go on then, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll put this job on hold till January and yeah. I'll see who we get in the FA Cup. So we got Liverpool in the FA Cup, didn't we? <laughs> so it worked out. We ended up getting Liverpool and we got absolutely walloped at Anfield. And, uh, but I got my deal sorted. So it carried on for another year. I thought, okay. And I'm speaking to you know, 
people about jobs and what you're doing. And it was funny. I, when I was in contract, everyone would meet me for a coffee. Yeah. No problem. Come and have a coffee. Let's have a chat about what you want to do. See how we can help each other. And, you know, I'm, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and, and I've listened to a lot of people talk about transition and how footballers are scared to ask for help and stuff like that. And I'm not one of the, you know, I'm more than going, well, they say no, they say no. What's the, what's the issue? But if they say, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I'll tell you how many, how many people say yeah. Mm. And it, it's just interesting to get a footballer in the building, have a chat with them. That, you know, it, it works both ways. It's not just like your way. It, it works both ways. That, that, yeah. that it's nice to have you in and, and see people and and uh, see what's going on. So uh, I've got this job on the, you know, going well. It, it sounds interesting. Do I want to do it? What you know? What you know? Or do I want to carry on playing football? Mm. And uh, anyway, stayed at Oldham. Signed another year at Oldham because the. You, you know, put his hand in his pocket and gave me a decent deal. Mm. And then uh, it uh, ended up signing for Bolton. And while I was waiting to sign for Bolton, I applied for a job at Adidas. Okay. And that was handling the players' contracts. And I full intention to carry on playing because I played, done well again in League One and Bolton were after number two. Mm. So I thought, right, that'll be, you know, a nice little deal in the championship uh not gonna play but carry on for another year and i'll get to 35 because you get your pension at 35 and things will be nice and smooth and and you know worst case i'll, I'll take my pension mm. so uh anyway i did i applied for this job got an interview and uh i don't know if you ever had a telephone interview i'd never had one before no, and they phoned me up like can we uh, phone you back in two weeks to uh you know, go through, you know, interview you by telephone. I was like, oh, I can do it now if you want. Like, no idea what was going on. Yeah. No, you know, what a telephone interview requires uh, or what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to prepare for those people who don't know. And I didn't know. Mm. And uh, just absolutely waffled, like, you know, answers. Didn't didn't know what the, you know, the job would entail. Didn't know, mm. you know, I knew a lot about the company from, I was, you know, sponsored by him back at the early part of my career and they've yeah. always sent me boots and stuff like that and I thought well I know all the players you, you who you endorse and mm. you know I played with the majority of them and uh we'll be fine so anyway I got my feedback from my telephone interview and he failed miserably oh. I was like, oh, right, thanks uh so uh one of my network were like how come you didn't get the job and I was like oh it was awful and uh, he goes, you would have been really good at that job. And it was handling all the players' contracts and making sure they were wearing the boots, they were at commercial days. And yeah. basically, you know, I had to go into the training grounds and, and sort out any problems. And mm. uh, the head office was in Stockport, which was great for me. So you go in there one day a week and the rest of the time you're on the road watching football, playing, you know, yeah. the training grounds and just carrying on kind of like similar to what you're doing without having to dive around after the ball. So I thought, great. Mm. and uh, the guy's going now I'll phone up and find out what went wrong and uh, they phoned up and he said you, there's 600 people applied for that job they give interviews telephone interviews to four and they promoted the guy who was doing youth team on uh, because he knew the systems inside out and was the best candidate for the job and mm. well, his job's available now so why don't you go and make a you know they've told me that you can have another another go at it. Yeah. Uh, looking after the the fourteen to nineteen year olds, and I was like, "That's great! I'll I'll go in and do that." So I did all my presentation, got it all ready, and then playing signed for Bolton in the meantime. Mm. And uh, they're like, "Come in on Monday, do it." And our game got changed to Monday night football. It's like I can't go and do it now. Oh no way! <laughs> uh, well, I ended up doing it the Tuesday, and uh, did all right, but. They were on an R in and uh, they wanted me to finish football and, and do it if I was going to do it. But it was a real eye opener in terms of, you know, the competition that's out there for jobs and what yeah. you want to do and how you want to do it. And it it made me realise that, you know, this isn't going to be an easy process and, mm. you know, applying for jobs and going down that way. But from my network and, and reaching out, if I'd reached out to the, the guy before the interview and he 
told me, you know, he knew the guys that were going to be my bosses and all that. Mm. I could have got a better insight. And I'm thinking, well, if I was playing a team on a Saturday, I would have gone and seen what they'd done the previous two weeks. I would have seen who the star players were, what they were good at. Yeah. And then, you know, I would have prepared and practiced yeah. and, and done stuff. And I'm thinking, I didn't apply any of that to mm. getting a job, you know, for that. And could really see myself doing that for a long time, you know, that kind of job. Yeah. <coughs> so I'm thinking, that, you know, that, those are great skills that you do in football and you get taught how to do them. And, you know, mm. you, you look at how you're doing your performance, you analyse it, and then you go, right, I need to improve here, here and there. And kind of, you know, I won't do that again and, and take that into me into the next game. And mm. I think I should start treating my interviews better and, yeah. and, and doing stuff like that. And say, I started applying for more jobs on the back of that because it's like, well, I need to find out how, you know, how these things happen. And they're very, very similar to what's going on. Um, mm. You know, every firm, everyone's got a HR department. If you want to work for a large firm, then that's, uh, you know, those are, those are key things that you've got to understand it and say like from writing your CV, your CV has got football on it and no work experience, but it gets yeah. you in the door. You know, mm -hmm. 600 people applied, they saw my CV and gone, well, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him in just to see what he says. And obviously I probably entertained him on that first mm -hmm. telephone interview because I'm going, what's he going on about? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a steep learning curve uh, with that and uh, say, but fortunately for me, played for Bolton and uh, then it ended up out going out to India and it was just, you know, amazing time mm. out there playing in the, uh, the ISL and it was, uh, say, it kind of connected up because Rennie Mullerstein was a manager. We had Wes Brown go out. Yeah. Berbatov came out, so he's the, the chairman out there of uh, the Blasters, was a big United fan and mm. really, you know, connected us back to the club and built up my social media profile and, and stuff like that being out there. So that was amazing. And uh, say, uh, when I was out there, I was, I was spending a lot of time going, well, you know, this is nice, but it's coming to an end and, and preparing mm. for... for Getting a, getting a proper job, what I call it. And uh, while I was out there, I, was, I spoke to a few people and uh, ended up coming back and speaking to a guy at EY, Ernst & Young, and they got uh, an athlete transition program that they were developing and they wanted to uh, me to come in and, and give me a bit of work experience. Okay. But the problem was it was down in London. So now I'm based in Manchester. That was one of my, my key things about getting a proper job. I'm not moving down to London. Yeah. And uh, anyways, and he said, you know, look, you've done really well, and, and we want you to, uh, we want you to stay and uh, help develop this, help develop and deliver this program. And so it, it was a real, you know, it was one of them. It's, it, it was really good in terms of understanding how a big organisation works. But I've, I've reached out to a lot of ex-professional footballers who have who've gone on to have another career, another okay. successful career. Mm. And uh, to me, they've gone on about professional qualifications and I wasn't getting a professional qualification. And that was, that was one of the key messages that came across. It was that. And uh, look, to be a footballer, it was eight years in the making. I signed for United at 10 and didn't play till I was 18. So yeah. if you can do that in half the time, if you can do that in four years, then you're ahead of the curve. Mm. So it's a different mindset thinking, I'm going to come out of the game and, and, and get a proper job and be happy with yeah. it yeah, straight yeah. away. Mm. So that was, that was really interesting speaking to, speaking to them and say, they were dead keen to meet me as well. They were like, you know, look, Anytime, call me, give me a, you know, give me a phone call, ask me any questions. And, you know, I still speak to a lot of them today, just drop them a text every now and again. Look, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, dead, you know, dead happy to get involved. And say, any players that want to text me or ask me about it, I'm happy to respond to it. It's not, a, you know, you, you sit there as a player going, oh, I'm either in them. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, annoying them or, you know, they're not going to reply or, 
but I, I found that was rarely the case. Uh, and everyone's like happy to hear off you and and you know keen to hear what you're doing and and how you know how they can help you. And I say it was uh, it was what uh, you know what led me to doing what I want to do today, which was you know I wanted to do a graduate scheme and become an accountant. So uh, it and it was funny. I was I was speaking to someone uh, last week, and they're like, "Why do you want to be that?" And I was like, "Well, in in my team, we do the tax returns for two hundred footballers, mm. and I'm an ex pro, and there's no other accountancy firm in the country that I know of that's got that team that has that kind of clientele. Mm. So, and we we support the players for their like their image right deals or contract deals, and and we specialize in in making sure that everything's planned and, and done properly and complies properly with the, you know, with HMRC and, mm. and making sure that uh, they can, uh, I call it support the circle of trust because, you know, at the top, top part of the game now, the players, you know, their, their brands and, you know, they have to have people around them because they you know, they can't just let anyone in. They've got to have their gatekeepers because yeah, yeah. You, do anything, you do anything now and it, it's, you know, it's a story or, or it, it causes problems. So mm. the players have to be so careful with what they do and we help facilitate and, and make that a bit more comfortable for them. I'm glad, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you touched on um, like your networking and the circle and the people that you reached out to because that's one thing that I've kind of tried to portray in the podcast as well. Because um, I know a lot of players, as you mentioned before, they're kind of they're scared of upsetting people or scared of, maybe people thinking they're bothering them or pestering them and it's it's not the case and similar for me and I've said this many times before where I just reach out to people and ask them if they want to come on the podcast and for the most part every person I get on there's there's a bunch of people that haven't responded to me and that doesn't mean they're being rude people are busy people sometimes don't read the message or whatever so I just keep it moving basically and like I said I'm not afraid to ask um, for anything um, some, same situation with yourself. I just approached you, and obviously we had a chat on the phone, and you decided to come on, which is great. Um, so for me, a massive message to anyone listening um, is just to speak to people, network, um, especially if you're a player or an athlete who's currently still involved in sport. Use your network because sometimes you don't realise how big your network is. Six degrees of separation. So normally you know someone who knows someone who knows someone. Um, and that can lead to something. Um, so I, I'm really glad that you touched on that. It's an important message. Um, in terms of your transferable skills, what have you taken from sport? So what have you taken from football um, in terms of transferable skills to what you're doing now? Um, I think one of the things that... Uh, I will say is that, like you say, you do get a lot of no's, mm. and like I don't know how other people would take it, but I've had like thirty thousand people boo me and have a go at me, and mm. you know, so someone saying no to me, why is why is that an issue? Yeah, yeah, realistically, in the grand grander scheme of things, you know, and like you say, you you're going to get those no's and as a as a footballer you have that thicker skin and you have that competitive edge and mm. that that drive that fuels me to be better mm. and I don't think I always see that from other people uh, or you know the general public it, it you know someone says no to them and they might not respond in a positive way yeah uh, you know that discipline that hard work that that drive to carry on are all transferable skills and say for me it, in the team I'm in it we're in a, a high performance environment we have to <coughs> we have to do what we say we're going to do mm. and I like that and uh, to get the work done because we have to we're in a regulated industry so we have to do it properly and we have to do it well and that's what I want to be part of I didn't want to be on my own doing stuff because mm. I've worked in teams and really enjoy working in teams and you know you're constantly working on different jobs with different people and yeah 
I think one of my my transfers was I can assess people's strengths, what they're good at, straight away, and how to encourage people uh, and motivate them, and you know make sure that we're all we're all pulling together because part of part of my skill as a goalkeeper was you know putting people in the right places at the right times, and that that's what I'm trying to build build upon and, and get my network together to look. Yeah, I want to support people in the sports industry. I want to help. The, the lads, the footballers to, mm. you know, to have, you know, more of that pot of money uh, yeah. at the end of their career, mm. to have more choices, to do, to do what they want to do and give them, give them better, you know, not, not better advice, but give them better options to, to, you know, carry on being competitive and, and, using those those skills that they picked up in their career to to use them elsewhere and a lot of a lot of the lads are very entrepreneurial and yeah. i think uh you know one of the main things that we we see on a day to, you know a, a regular basis is that lads want to set up their own companies and and go with their own ideas you know uh, whether that's through social media or using their profile in, in a way to to raise money or do charitable causes or have another have another career and and if if you do things right in your football career then that makes things a lot easier afterwards and mm. and setting things up in the right way from an early an early age with you know we're talking from an academy age mm. uh, with the players that those, those options become um, a lot bigger a lot more scope and a lot less risky uh, if you if you do it in a in the right way and that's what we're you know that's why i enjoy helping players with and uh seeing that because it, it frustrates me when when they don't get that transparency that honesty yeah that you and i know what it's like in the change rooms you get that transparency and that honesty straight away uh, yeah. and uh, i don't always feel that's the case after you leave leave the change room or leave the football world and it, it's something to me it was always about look I understand the football language, I understand the football world, but I need to translate that to the people in my team now and, and see, look, this is how it works there and be able to speak their language and and go to them and go, look, this lad wants to do that or this player wants to do this or that person's yeah. got this commercial deal coming up and what's what's the best way? Because, you know, if we can we can help plan that in a better way and, and they get to keep 10, 10 more percent of that, that that's a lot, a lot further on. And I think we talked in a previous conversation is that the players will earn a lot of their money over six to ten years. Now, for you and I, we could take our pension at thirty-five. The lads can't now; they've got to wait yeah. till fifty-five, and it's a long time. And it's mm. you know, how, how do you how do you balance that out? And there's a lot of people that want to make make that easier, that transition easier. And you know, one of the things that, that can can help that is 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 good is good planning uh and having that plan b and you know i didn't i didn't expect to be an accountant up until about five years ago and right if you told me that when i was playing or if i told people that when i was playing they would have laughed at me and had a right go at me but the uh the projects you know i work on now uh i find really interesting we worked you know with some really big clubs organizations and we've got one that, that's coming out that's going to be huge mm. uh with i can't say any more than that but it, it's going to be watch this space and it, it's going to be you know mega that i'm going to be part of it hopefully and mm. it, that's and that's come through accountancy believe it or not because you need okay. to make numbers but it, it's just you know it it's something that i enjoy and i'm not yeah. saying it's for everyone uh not the case but uh say it, it i'm still very much involved in the sporting world and mm. uh enjoying it enjoying it every day so good stuff um one question i always ask or tend to ask is do you think more needs to be done for athletes when they're transitioning away from sport um i think we we're getting better because it's there's more conversations being had about it there's more education being delivered about it you know the wider the wider support network 
in terms of, of football and how that helps with football. And, and I'm always going to argue that, you know, if you do well on the pitch, everything else will take care of itself. That's got to be your, your fully focused. But, and I did do that, but I also managed to do an open uni degree. I also managed to network and, you know, I don't think that had a negative impact. In fact, I, had a, I think it had a massive positive impact on my career. And uh, the more people that, that do that, the, you know, how the change room works, the, you've got people that drive the change room and you have people that follow and you have people that resist change. And mm. it, the game's, you know, something about football has always got to change. It's got to, it's constantly, you've got to keep adapting and, and, and improving because yeah. if you stand still, you know, you get relegated. That, mm. that's, that's what happens in football. So that things are moving, but they're not moving as quick as the football world moves uh, mm. in terms of transition. And my advice would be, you know, you're in, you're in charge of your own football career. Mm. Why does that still, you know, why does that have to stop when you finish football? Why, you know, why did I not use the the stuff that I learned in football when I applied for other jobs? You know, why did it take me so many attempts before I realised, well, that, you know, that system works really well, you know, yeah. in terms of planning, preparing and mm. assessing, you know, going out and doing it and reviewing it. And, you know, in terms of, what players can do, you, you, you know, the players themselves have got to do it. That that's the thing. You've got yeah. to turn around and say, "Look, I'm I'm going to spend." And it might just be one call a day, or mm. you know, something one once one thing a week that's going to help me prepare for life after football. And and believe me, it'll change. It'll change every single probably year or every you know yeah. as things evolve and your life changes in you you. Know, things change in your life then your transition after it will change as well and you'll still continue to change because I imagine you know a, a lot of people do a lot of different things yeah and that's in my opinion where you can go wrong mm. pick something and do it really really well yeah so you know people will go, I'll be a bit of a coach I'll be a bit of a media hunter or you know I'll do a bit of you know, business development or do a bit of motivational speaking, uh, my advice would be to pick one thing and be really good at it okay. and, and really focus on it uh, after football. You know, in the meantime, if you're playing, have a look and and ask people about what they do and what interests them because, say, those conversations, you know, I, I thought accounting was just, you know, did, you know, tax returns and accounts. I didn't think they, they made, you know, helped influence decisions and yeah. you know budgets and you know you know there's this stuff out there there's like legacy projects for world cups and and some you know some of the things like they do are absolutely amazing mm. and say every transfer now you need an account involved the numbers are that big so it it's there's lots of opportunities there's lots of different things to do and say the best place to start is your club so just ask questions and uh, see what see what interests you. Brilliant, mate. Um, really insightful. Really enjoyed the chat today. Um, and as I mentioned, thanks for coming on. But um, just to finish, just let everyone know where you're actually working, the name of the company, where we can find you, and obviously where we can find yourself. I know you're not kind of big on social media. You're kind of like me. We had a chat on the phone uh, a couple of weeks ago. You mentioned like you were late on the scene of social media and you don't really get involved in it. And to be honest, I was the same. And I, to be honest, I still am now. The only reason I'm really on it is to spread the message. And obviously, I've got the podcast as well. So um, I want as many people to get involved um, in the podcast as possible because I really do believe in the message. Um, but yeah, if you can just let people know where you're actually working, the name of the company, and where we can find you on social media. Yeah, well, on social media, I'm at Paul Hubka on uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. On on there, uh, I work for Safri Champness, where I sit in the sports entertainment team, and uh, like I touched on, we help the the biggest sporting organisations, clubs, uh, and uh, players with their uh, tax and accounting needs, and uh, say. Um, we specialise in image rights companies and and helping them monetize their uh, their social media profiles, which uh, helps them give them a lot of options 
you know joining after their career and uh, we're not we're not just interested in in current athletes we're interested in all sports people because they've got uh, a lot of transferable skills and we know they'll go on to be a success again exciting stuff mate um brilliant i mean like i said really enjoyed your your time today thanks for coming on um keep in touch going forward obviously we touched on that when we last spoke on the phone and we said obviously we'll keep in touch um and good luck with everything you do going forward thank you very much been a pleasure no problem see you soon thanks mate bye